Welcome, welcome, one and all, to Dad to the Bone Live. Yes, we are doing it live for the season five finality. Ooh, I said finality. That's when I should bring in Sam to correct me. Finale. Wait. It's a season five finale. Dude, I didn't even know we were doing it live. We're doing it live right now? Yeah, we're doing it live. Dope. <laughs> I don't know. Somehow that missed me in our uh, our pre-production meeting. I missed Sorry. that one. We are That's definitely awesome. on Welcome, the welcome. Well, well, then let me ask you live. What are those? What are those things on your shirt? You have a red shirt with white things. What are the white things? Well, Sam, it's summertime around here, and so these are uh, palm trees and anchors, buddy. So I like I'm, that. Uh, I like that. That's I'm, nice. I'm gonna take my boat on uh, 94 as uh, it floods and uh, be chilling. <laughs> yeah, ride through, <laughs> ride through the expressway on your on your boat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not gonna ride it because it's only a remote control boat. I'm gonna be on the oh. sidewalk, like just okay, right steering. on, <laughs> right on, right on. Yeah, man. How you been, man? How you been? I've been good, man. It's been, you know, it's crazy because things are starting to finally like. It's like, you know, we were a little bit more risk averse when it came to COVID, so we weren't really out and about. But now it feels like the coast is kind of clear, and like you feel. You feel confident, like you see people, and you're not kind of like, mm -mm, I don't, mm, you know, they no, nah. you know what I mean? <laughs> like you see people in the store without a mask, and you're not looking at them like, you know, with the dirty look. Like I know you can breathe with a mask on. Get a different one. <laughs> we're live. My wife walks by. Oh my gosh, you're live. Yeah, we're live. Right right now. That. Remember <laughs> that message I sent a few minutes ago? It was like, hey, we're recording. Don't walk through. That's what that was. Yeah. <laughs> this is what happens when you do it live. So it is what it is. I literally sent her a text message right before when we I was like, "Hey, we're recording. Don't come in the back of the camera." But that's how people know we're actually live. So, and to be yeah. honest with you, I, I was looking at the camera, so I didn't see it. But hello to <laughs> Mrs. Sam. How are you? <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> no, well, she no. groceries and, and like slammed them on the counter. I was like, "What is she doing?" And just walks right yeah. by. La, 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 la. <laughs> anyway, we're live here. Dad to the bone. Two dads sit around talking about dad stuff. And I don't know. What else? All kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, man. We talk about the summer. And we are just talking about COVID. But, uh, you know, I think we, we came here to talk about the end of season five. I think that was. The, we did. We did. This is our this is our season finale. Yes. Or <laughs> fidelity, as I said it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> But we uh, what do we got here? What? Look, this is my life trying to not be in the oh screen. <laughs> and this she is how <laughs> this is how Sam ends up sleeping on the couch. <laughs> yeah, I just put her on blast. <laughs> she was crawling by back here. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you, you, my friend. Like, what is that? You are a glutton for punishment. It's, it's a thing now. It's a thing. You can just walk by. See you, baby. Yeah. Yeah. He's, she said good night. She's really fast. I'll, I'll give you that. Like, she, that was, she's. That was like white lightning. That was like a streak. <laughs> hey, yo, let's do our table topics, man. Last right. table topics of the season. If you don't have table topics, you should get table topics. They are not sponsoring us yet. <laughs> yet. Sponsor right. us. Do you ready? It. Basically, what it is, it's random questions that spark conversation at dinner time. And so tonight's 
conversation. I'm going to show. I'm going to throw it up here. I'm not, I haven't even read it yet. Ready? Mm -hmm. It says, mm -hmm. "If you could be the smartest person in any subject, which would you choose?" Math. Really? Why? Uh, well, because you can get rich, and you could solve a lot of like problems in terms of mathematically predicting probabilities. So, math would be mine. Um, it's already my favorite subject, but for those reasons, because like if you can solve the equations, like you got money. Like if you could put together the algorithm to help you pick lottery numbers, you'd be rich. Or if you could solve some other problem, people would pay you for it. So math. Yeah. What math. about you? Uh, the subject that I would like to be the smartest in the world at is the subject of how to make money. <laughs> that that uh, yeah. would be my subject. <laughs> okay. I got you. I got I you. I want to see all the numbers and stuff and just how do I accumulate all this money? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Slowly. Let's do one more. Let's do one more. Okay. Uh, do you believe in aliens? Um, yes. Um, now, what's your level of believability? Is it like ancient alien status on like, you know, the TV show where the dude's hair straight up and he's like, aliens? Or is it like Signs, the movie Signs? Or like, where, where are you at with it? Interstellar? Where are you at? Uh, I'm going to go again with, with the more logical approach. Uh, we've It's been proven that there are microorganisms and water and different things found on different planets. And those all qualify as aliens. So do I think that other organisms and microcosms? Oh, man. I'm talking like the dudes with the big giant heads and they're green and they got big black eyes. You don't believe in those guys? I, I don't believe that there are aliens trying to probe us uh, like that. But I do believe that aliens exist in the broader sense. And just like UFOs exist, like uh, a piece of, of a, a comet flying by is a UFO. So, yes, I believe in UFOs. Do I? You know, am I going to say I believe in like little green men from Mars? No, I, I mean, I don't believe in that. But I do believe aliens and, and UFOs exist, but in a more scientific sense, not like in a, you know, big dude, a dude with a head bigger than mine. So, I mean, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm uh, yeah. I'm all in. Marvin the Martian. Yeah. <laughs> all in. <laughs> okay. So, so you think you think those type of aliens are real? You think like sightings hey, and like? Hey, listen, man, the universe is too big of a place for there not to be Marvin the Martians. <laughs> okay, I won't disagree with that. <laughs> but listen, man, hey, season five, this was this is crazy, man. This was our first season where we had a guest every episode. Yes, I mean that's a pretty big deal. And we had some really, really awesome guests on our episode. And so today, I think, you know, what we've discussed before, and so I'm going to let you live viewers in on the plan today, is that we're going to wrap up this season with just, I'm going to hit two of, of the guests that really left an impact on me. And I mean, all of our guests were great, but two of them kind of stood out to me and Quinn picked two that sort of stood out to him. And so we're going to kind of share a little bit about um, what they shared, we're going to share a clip from their episode, right? Like the clip's going to come up on the screen, right, Quinn? Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. And, uh, so we're going to share a clip from the from the um, from the actual episode, and then maybe just talk about it and kick back a few ideas um, and discussions about what that person talked about, what that guest was like, and what it was like to have them on here. Just as kind of a recap, because I think the the four people that we've chosen have kind of. Um, they sort of cover a broad array of the
the topics that we that we discussed. You know, we we had a, a large focus on mental health this season. Um, I think in 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 response potentially to the worldwide pandemic, I think mental health sort of shot to the front seat and the forefront of a lot of our minds and a lot of our thoughts. And so um, it was kind of cool. Dude, I can see you in the mirror walking by. Like I can see, see, look right there. I got people everywhere man, in my house right now. Um, this is what happens yeah, when you do it live, by the way. What's that? This is what happens when you do it live. This is how people will know that we are live. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, we record live and this doesn't happen. So I don't, I don't know what's going on. Um, but, you know, so the, mental health was a big priority, I think, in our season. And so um, I think some of the things we're talking about tonight kind of cover that. And I'm excited about it. So why don't you why don't you go first and sort of share, um, you know, one of the, the one of the episodes that stuck out to you and your takeaways. And we'll talk through it. Yeah. And so um, one of the, the episodes to me that really I found most interesting was our conversation we had with uh, Dwayne Barnes. And so. I think we had a phenomenal conversation with Dwayne Barnes and uh, Whoa, who's that good looking guy in the top right? Who is that? Are you talking about me? <laughs> I'm in the bottom, bottom oh, center. Oh. <laughs> uh, Those we had a guys right there. Uh, yeah, it's, just, it's it's the A team for sure, A one for sure. But you know, the thing I always enjoy about conversations with um, Dwayne and the work that they do with the Michigan League of Public Policy is they teach us how to do parental um, advocacy um, and teach us how to deal with our representatives at a state and a U.S. level and a local level to get them to to hear us and to see us. And sometimes it feels like, you know, we need to like always be standing on their necks, but sometimes we just need to reach out. And so I think that was one of my big takeaways from that conversation. And so uh, I just want to play the clip and then, you know, maybe we can kind of talk through it. Does that work with you? Yeah, I love it. All right. Well, here we go. But one day, um, it was after the inauguration, um, and my son was like, "I want to write a letter. I, I want to talk to something to, to to Joe Biden." And I'm like, "Guess what? You can write him a letter. You can write him a letter to the White House in the format that we've done before, and he'll write you back because it's he two for two reasons. One, you okay. they love kids, and they're they're more likely to respond to kids." But two, you know, they want people to understand that it's a two-way process. So we're in the process of writing that letter now. So, you know, it, it can get a lot more sophisticated, and it does. But I think the most important thing is to understand that you can communicate with them, and they will in turn communicate back to you. So it's not always, you know, sometimes it isn't necessarily, well, the first thing we do is we protest in March. Well, that's a part of our toolkit, but we may just have to have a conversation first. We may just want them to know who we are. Um, we may have to just start to start the process of understanding um, how to communicate properly with elected officials. Um, and so I, I like to I like to advocacy gives you a chance to not just complain because you're going to them and telling them you got a problem, but you're putting action behind the problem that you have. And I think if we do more of that, just as a, 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 a personally and, and what we say to say, well, I don't like this. OK, let's take it a step further. I don't like it. I want to find other people who don't like it. And I want to find the people who can change it because it'll, it'll change a lot. It's going to help a lot of people if you change it. That's a more active approach. And even if you don't get the change that you want, because the game isn't set up for you to win every time, but it is set up for you to try and do your best to get the outcome that you want. So I try to teach them that, um, especially my 10-year-old, my, my two-year-old, you know, he's getting there, but it's just, you know, we're <laughs> training for him. But yeah. a, a, with a 10-year-old, now that he's older, you can have um, contact with your leaders and they have to contact you back because you voted them in office. So 
So that that's one really big example. Um, and then on a, on a, on a, on a more social justice level, I think um, the older you get, the more like I try to spoon feed it. Um, so I, you know, I don't, I didn't want my, you know, eight year old or five year old to understand the horrors of the world. But as you get older, you start to understand why it's important. Though it may not be happening to you, and though it may be somebody else's face on the screen, um, you still have to have a, a care and, and 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 understand that it's important to you as well. Even though even though even if it never happens to you in your neighborhood, it's still a problem for someone, and we have to care because it is not just about us. So those are several ways that I try to teach um, advocacy, uh, you know, to, to my to my family. Yeah. And, and, you know, I really liked his words about, uh, you know, it's it's not always about if it's happening to you directly, but you still have to have a voice and be aware of what's going on. And I think that's really important right now, because that's a lot of what we're dealing with. A lot of folks, uh, even in our own communities, are like, well, what's wrong? There's nothing wrong with the system. You know, these people just need to do this or they need to do that. And the reality is we know that that's just not the truth, because if it were, you know, we wouldn't be having the conversation. If it was just as simple as complying or as simple as just, you know, doing what you asked, we we wouldn't have these type of, of conversations consistently and continuously because things would be different. So I, I really like to talk about advocacy, talking about, you know, getting the attention of the people in power. I think we often fall back to rage because it's emotional. But, you know, having a strategical plan is always important. And, you know, in marching in, like you said, a protesting is a part of a toolkit. I like that. It's a part of a toolkit, but it's not the only part. And that's really an important piece for me. And oftentimes, oftentimes protesting is even like the beginning of the process. You know what I mean? Like it's not even it's not the end. The end game is not a protest. Right. The, the, the protest is oftentimes a catalyst for action. And um, yeah, so I love that. I think you're right. The, the the part of the toolkit. I really liked. I remember when Dwayne was here and and the things that he was sharing. I really enjoyed how um, accessible he made politicians and government, and especially local government and state government, and how you know his whole mission is to make it accessible for people. Because again, you think politicians, you think removed, you think far away, whatever. And he's like, nah, man, like you can, you can totally, you can totally access that stuff. It's for you. It's your response. They serve you. They're there to, they work for you. And so it's important to, to live into your role of that relationship and be involved, you know? And so I thought that was really cool um, mm -hmm. because oftentimes a lot of change, I mean, politics are not the end all be all, but I think politics can be a good catalyst for change. You know, mm -hmm. yeah, and when you think about it, um, sometimes politicians do try to make themselves seem a little bit removed from where you are and what's going on, and they like to come in and say some nice neutral words that really didn't say anything. And when they leave, you're like, "Wow, that was nice." He didn't say anything, did he? <laughs> and so, it's nice to be able to meet them where they are and also hold their feet to the fire because you know um, they need that, and we need to not feel so. Uh, disconnected from them and say, hey, I voted for you or I didn't vote for you. Bottom line, you represent me and you're going to hear my voice. So yeah. um, let's and, and let them know that you know how to reach them, because I think that really gets their attention. They're like, wait, he knows how to email me. He knows how to call me. He knows how to write me. This is somebody I need yeah. to pay attention. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think you're right. And I think that was a kind of a I think that was an important piece of our season, because I think um 
I think it speaks to all dads everywhere, no matter what your job is, your socioeconomic situation or, you know, um, whatever, wherever you find yourself in your fatherhood journey, um, being involved in local government and being involved in and in having access to uh, the political things that are happening that do directly impact your life and your sphere of influence, I think is important. And I think it's important that we highlight that that's, your, that's our role, that's our responsibility, that's our duty to be a part of that process. So I thought that was cool. Totally agree. So uh, one of the one of the episodes that I wanted to highlight, um, one of the guests that really stuck out to me was um, actually I think it was our first guest. Was it was it our first episode of this season, Eric Cito? I think you are correct. You think I think it was. Correct. I'm trying to think back to it. I mean, it's been it's been a long season, man. We've had a lot of guests, but I think Eric was one of our first ones, if not the first one. Um, and he just talked. We we didn't know what we were in for. We were like, all right, this is a dad and he's a cool charismatic guy and let's have him on and talk and he took it in such an awesome direction and I think we were both pleasantly surprised when he was talking through um, honesty and openness and vulnerability with your kids and uh, we talked a lot Mm -hmm. about mental health and how to sort of um, live that out in front of your children not just talk about it and have family meetings and family discussions, but, but to live out that vulnerability and to speak openly about our struggle as a dad, you know, cause like we're not perfect. And our kids don't have to see us as this perfect Superman, but they can see us as a real life person with real life struggles. And sometimes we get it right. And sometimes we don't get it right. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. So if you want to fire his clip, uh, we can kind of listen to what he talked about and then break it down a little bit. And you just like served it back to me so smooth. I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. Being able to go to your children and say, look, um, I was wrong. I sh- you, you didn't deserve that. I should not have treated you that way. And th- if we cannot show our children vulnerability yeah. and that we can own up to our issues and be open and honest, kids don't care what you say. Right. Um, but they watch everything you do. Our children are like warehouses and we're filling up their warehouses um, with things that will stay with them the rest of their life. And even though it may not, they may not seem like they're paying attention. They may not seem like, um, you know, they're, they're listening to anything you're saying. Um, But everything you do, um, how you act, how, when I say things like, man, I'm stressed out. I see a therapist. I have ADD. I treat these things that they're, they're listening. They're watching. I'm, I'm living vulnerability. And then when we do have to have a talk, um, it, it's not this like weird thing. Where's this coming from? They, we've, we've filled their house, their warehouse, um, with moral guides and standards because of the way that we've lived. My job is not to keep you safe. My job is not to keep you from doing anything bad. My job is to prepare you to live outside of this home. That is my job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think that's huge. I think you know, I'm talking through I like I like when he says kids don't really listen what you say, but they watch how you live. And that's that's important because you can say these things are important and you can say that these are your values and that these are your um, the things that you hold near and dear to your heart and the things that you elevate is important. You can say that to your blue in the face, but 
the reality is they see they see how you spend your time. They see how you prioritize things over other things, and they see uh, your actions and your reactions. And so it's important for us as as fathers to recognize that, you know, and to not you yeah. know the, old, the do as I what is it do as I say not as I do like. No, nah, yeah. man, that's that's toxic. That can't be the way that we approach things. Yeah, and I mean, and, but to be fair, there's a place for that too. Like, you know, sometimes you don't always have the opportunity or the time to explain to them why you're, you're telling them to do something. And but yeah. for the most part, you do have to, um, yeah, you have to know, like you said, yeah, they, they look, you know, just like Maya Angelou said, you know, people don't listen to what you say. They listen to how you, you know, they remember how you made them feel. And your children will watch your behavior. If you're always telling your kids, like, to clean up, you have to clean up, too. Like, if you're always telling them it's important to do things, then you have to do them, too. If you say physical fitness is important, well, you can't take them to McDonald's every time. <laughs> you know? So, or never have, yourself, yeah. Yeah, and kids have a unique way of, of watching everything you do, and we've all seen it. I mean, perfect example is when, you know, you say, if I have to get up, and and deal with you i'm gonna deal with you and they're like he's not gonna get up <laughs> like they know they know how many times it's gonna take before you you challenge yeah. them they know how long they can go like you've seen it with other people's kids where they're like so help me god when i get my hands on you and the kid's like he ain't gonna do nothing <laughs> so yeah. you know it's all about being consistent and and you're right actions mean everything so i i, I love that part yeah, I like I like the way that that clip ended where he says, you know, my job, my primary job is not to keep you safe. My primary job is to prepare you to live outside of this home, you know, yes. which means which means that sometimes, you know, you got to you got to let your kids face the music. You got to let your kids fall and skin their knees. You got to let your kid, you know, there's a there's a saying I was talking to my brother, my brother about this this past weekend and just talking through, you know, it used to be helicopter parents, right, where helicopter you'd you'd hover around and then when something happens that they don't like mm -hmm. you swoop in and take care of it for them and then swoop back out and hover around and i said now there's this thing called lawnmower parents man like you're not even you're not even waiting for things to happen you straight up you mow down everything before they can even get to it to where they don't face any adversity or any problems or any struggles and it's like man that's you think you're keeping your kids safe but reality is man, you are you are setting them up for failure moving forward in life yeah, man. You know, it's funny you mention that because I've been just watching some of the, you know, just watching different things going on with different folks. And I come to the realization, like when it comes to like my children, um, I'm very protective. Um, I'm a father, um, you know, I'm a father who's who's been hurt. And, you know, honestly, I had to take a lot of lumps. I had to get my butt kicked and then I had to kick some butt. But, you know. Um, there were times where like, I wish I had somebody who was like holding up the shield for me. And, um, I just had to do it myself. Like there was nobody coming. And so it makes me a little bit more protective of my kids to be like, no, 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 back up stiff arm. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, they're good, homie. You're good. But you know, I, I came to the realization and just observing other people's kids and some things that they've gone through later in life. And I realized to your point, like, yeah, like, they got to take those L's. They got to, you know, they're going to have to swing. Like, I'm going to be close by. You know, don't get me wrong. Like, if, if you need yeah. me, like, the Stone Cold Steve Austin music and this is about <laughs> to go down, you know? But, um, yeah, yeah. Throw a couple up and let's go get them. But, you know, that at the same time, what would hurt more is if because I stepped in now, 
it amplified to lead to something even worse down the road where like yeah. I stepped in and avoided them taking that hit now. And now their whole life is off track because they were sheltered or because I didn't let them, you know, dress the way they wanted to dress. So I like somehow felt I was keeping them safe, but I was really hurting them. So it's important, man. And it's tough. It's a hard act because you got to know. You got to know when to pull back and you got to know when to go forward. And honestly, you know, the the thing (laughs) the thing that I have accepted is that as parents, um, you're going to mess up your kids one way or another. Like you, you're not going to do it intentionally, but you just are. I mean, cause perfect is not real. So yeah, that's true. Um, that's true. Speaking of a parenting and messing it up and figuring it out as you go. One of the other guests that really we had a good, strong conversation with was uh, Steve Baldwin. He was a, he's a, a repeat offender on the um, dad to the bump podcast. And every time he comes, he just always fills us with, just so much insightful information from the story about his relationship with his dad, which was so like touching and how it connected him to star Wars. And like, he lost his dad at a young age, like Luke Skywalker. And I feel like you want to say something, Sam. Well, man, Steve, wasn't Steve like one of our first guests ever? Like it wasn't. Yes. It was a few seasons ago. He was one of our first guests ever. Yeah. He was. We were live in Buffalo at the uh, Great Start Conference, and like he just yeah. came in on the show. You know, he was—he's like this cool guy, and he has like this uh, California swagger. And we we're like, "Hey, you want to? We're going to record a podcast here while we're at the conference live. You want to do it?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, I'd love to, love to." And then he just starts dropping, "Oh yeah, I have a podcast." And then he starts yeah. going into, "Oh yeah, I love Star Wars." And we're like, "All right, cool, whatever." And then he just hits us with the heavy and. And you like know, by the end of this episode, we're all sitting there crying off microphone, like, <laughs> so they're putting us in debt to the bone. <laughs> yeah, we're like, um, we haven't touched on toxic masculinity and not crying yet, but <laughs> so no, but he he came back again and he was talking about just parenting and and figuring it out as you go. I mean, our children, so. One thing that's very important to me is for my children to be themselves, and I never want them to be. A better version of me. I want them to be the best version of themselves. And so, you know, if they're not, you know, um, I have all girls, so obviously they're not going to start on the football team. But, you know, um, if they're not super athletic, that's cool. You know, they're not super artsy. That's cool. Like, I just want them. I just want to make sure that their expressions of life are not my me making up for my mistakes. And so um, he talked about his journey of dealing with a child who felt born in the wrong body and his son finding himself. And as a parent, you know, the one thing I always want my kids to know outside of anything is that they are loved and that there, there's nothing that's going to change that. And that, you know, um, I would never want them to feel disconnected from me because they're like, well, I decided to go to Michigan and I know you would just owe me if I did that. And I'd be like, well, it really hurts, but no, I mean, but just, you know, that unconditional love. And so I'll just play the clip and, uh, you know, share it because I think the the thing that as parents that we sometimes like don't give ourselves permission to do is just not be perfect and make mistakes. I remember when I found out I was having a daughter the first time instead of a son and like I was just worried because I was like, I don't know how to raise a daughter. I was like, I'm equipped to raise a boy. I, I know how to deal with the boy. But that's not true. Like, you know, I was very well prepared to deal with a girl and we have similar conversations. And I made 
a, a decision when she was born, like, well, she's gonna learn how to throw a hook just like my son would. Like, and you know, she's gonna learn how to how to stand tall and there's nothing I'm gonna shield from her just because she's a girl and not a boy. But we sometimes feel like we just we're not prepared. So um enough about me, Sam. I'm just going on about myself. No, I love it. I love it. yeah, play play this clip, man. It's awesome. We'll play the clip. So my son Aaron uh used to be my daughter Sarah when Aaron um came out to us and uh, and I'll talk about that too but when it happened one of my worries was um that I was going to screw it up a lot like I was going to use the wrong pronoun and this is where that closeness that I described earlier really paid off because we were able to say I was able to say to him hey I'm gonna I'm really gonna screw this up I I I'm a hundred percent supportive of you. I'm going to mess it up. And so please don't be mad at me when I do that. And so that was part of our initial conversation when, yeah. when you know, we started talking about this, um, but it was, it wasn't until really the end of Aaron's um, junior year in high school that um, he came into our bedroom. Lisa and I were like laying in bed watching TV and he came in and wanted to talk and shared that um, I, I think in about 20 minutes, he probably said about eight words. It took a lot. It took a lot of effort, like physical. Effort. You could see Aaron struggling to he wanted to say it and it was time to say it. But it took a long time to get out. And he finally said, I think I was su supposed to be born a boy. Um. And that was the moment that like was the watershed moment for us in this process was like, you know, we, we both immediately got up and just, and, and held, you know, we, we, we jumped up and we just held our kid and told him that we love him and, and, you know, we want to be supportive in any way we can, and we're probably going to screw it up, but be patient with us. And, and we're here for you and we love you no matter what. And that, that was, that was the overarching message. We love you no matter what. And that's something that like that unconditional love is something I always want my children to know and to feel is uh, no matter what anyone tells you or how you feel like you are loved, you are loved beyond words and, and we're going to keep yeah. this train moving and I will never disown you. I will never, I mean, I, now that doesn't mean I won't be disappointed in your choices, but you know, we'll get past that <laughs> because yeah, I, I tell <clears throat> I tell my kids before I put them to bed, that almost to the point that they get annoyed with me because they're like, "Yeah, Dad, I know," but I think it's important to continue to drill it in their heads, man. I tell them <clears throat> at night, I say, "Listen, mm -hmm. you know, I love you more than anything in the world." You know that, and I say, "You know, there's nothing that you could ever do." or say, or anything that would ever make me stop loving you. Like, you know that, right? And they're like, yeah, dad, I know. But I know, but every once in a while, I know it, it, it hits them because they just like look at me like big eyed. And I'm like, mm. I mean it. Like, there is nothing that you could ever do, that you could ever say, nothing in this world that would ever make me stop mm. loving you. And I think giving yeah. your kids, giving your kids that security blanket of that I'm safe. Like I, mm. I am loved by my parents if I mess up. I love by, I'm loved by my parents if I do great. I'm loved by my parents if 
It's the bottom of the ninth, bases loaded, we're down by three, and I strike out, and I'm loved by my parents if I hit a home run. Like, you know, it. I'm loved by my – what I do doesn't add to or take away from how much my parents love me. And I think if we can, if we can communicate that clearly to our kids, man, I feel like it would just – it would make their path so much easier. It'll make their life so much easier. It'll open a line of communication when they are in high school and they make stupid decisions or they find themselves at a party that they know they shouldn't be at and they want to leave, but they're, they don't want to call you because they know it's going to go sideways if they do. And you know what I mean? It's like, you know, I'm up in his red shirt and a robe. And I'm like, yeah. who's on this? Point? <laughs> Where are your, I'm calling your mom. And your mom, yeah. and your mom, you know. And your mom thinks you're an angel, but I, I know you're not. So I know you're not. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like if we can establish that in our kids, even from a young age, I think that can be so huge and so advantageous to, to yeah. everything, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it sets the tone uh, for the Acadians of their life to know that I am not my failure. My failure is my failure, and I am me, and we are separate. Because a lot of times in life, we think that we are our failures, but we are not. We yeah. we are not our insecurities and we are not our, our weaknesses. They're just a part of us, just like our strength is a part of us. But what happens is we allow them to become us and we're like, oh, I'm, I'm not that strong. No, <laughs> you, you just you're not that good at this now or it's not something it's something you got to continue to work on if you really care about it or. You, you know, it's just like one thing I always like harp on my mother about. She says to, to my one of my kids is she's always she's jokingly she says, you know, girl, you're a mess. And I say, mom, no, she's not a mess. Don't tell her that because in her subconscious, we don't want her to start thinking as she goes through life that she is messy and she can't get organized. and She doesn't have her stuff together. She's not a mess. She is just funny. She is funny and she is witty and it's it's comical, but we will not tell her she's a mess because that is the, the soundtrack that will continuously play in her head every time she makes oh, yeah. a mistake. Yeah, and that goes back to the power of your words, man. Your words are so important. You know, they really are. But yeah, I loved I loved having Steve on the show and just talking through that unconditional love because you know he him and his wife uh, were facing they were facing new challenges. They were facing new. Um, relational dynamics. They were facing a lot of stuff that to, to my, to my understanding from talking with Steve, that it was nothing that they had ever sort of faced before, you know, and that's what parenting is going to be. It might not be Steve Baldwin's journey and it might not be Quinn's journey. It might not be my journey, but we're all going to face things that we're not necessarily prepared for, or that we weren't necessarily planning for, or, you know, we're all going to face different things like that. And so I think it's important that at the very foundation base level our kids know we love you we support you and there's nothing mm -hmm. you could ever do to make that change you know mm -hmm. totally agree. yeah totally that's agree. huge so uh the final uh kind of guest that we're gonna talk through tonight and share is uh i think correct me if i'm wrong is she is the only is she the only female guest that we've had thus far yes yeah she is okay the only female not that guest we're not not that we don't want more female guests. That, that's awesome. But um, her name's Dr. Erica Bachnick, and she was awesome, man. She was just, yeah, just she was. dropping bombs left and right. Boom, boom. She'd say something, and I'd be like, oh. and then she'd say something else, like, oh. and she'd say something else, like, oh. 
you know, I just, I, I, I was continually having my mind blown. It was awesome. So if you want to go ahead and play her clip, she's talking through uh, family rituals and the importance of family rituals and the emotional residue that it leaves. And it like, I love the terminology. She says it coats your soul. Oh, so good. Um, but talks through all that. So go ahead and it's all in regards to mental health. I think that family rituals are a really key ingredient to buffering the effects of stress. Rituals are routines in the sense that they repeat and children can predict them and expect them, but they're elevated. They're a routine with this extra thing that we call emotional residue. Mm. And what that means is that they're not just these predictable events, but they leave the child feeling, I'm a part of something. And these people who, who are here with me in this love me. So a family ritual can be something lofty, like, you know, every Sunday we go to church or every Saturday we volunteer together. But it can also be Tuesday spaghetti night because we're a family who loves to eat together. And I we was just about to go there. Tuck up the spaghetti and it's a funny and that's as much impactful on children and it leaves behind what is called emotional residue and i love the term it's not mine i love the term because it really speaks to the way that experience coats your soul and when you're in a moment of stress later adults children but a children especially will do this they'll recall that warm memory and it helps fortify them in times of stress and we tested that in one of our studies and showed that family rituals interrupt the intergenerational transmission of parental mental health problems to children's mental health problems. Having family rituals is really powerful. Man, so you uh, you can't go back right now because we're live, but if you are streaming this at a later point, Go back and watch me as she's talking, and I'm literally holding back tears as she's saying that stuff because I remember um, – I mean, that was in the winter, obviously, because I had my winter beard and wearing a hat. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember we were at a specific place in our fostering journey where um, we were transitioning from foster care to an adoption plan and all of that. And I remember us um, – our three-year-old foster daughter – was meeting with infant mental health and they were talking us through some of the same things of, Hey, routine is important and all this stuff. And as she was saying those things, she was just saying it in a different way with like different language. And I remember it just being so impactful um, to me realizing that, you know, the little thing that me and her would share together and say every single day was not just something cutesy, but it was helping her to have a connection and to feel safe and to feel like she was part of something bigger than herself. And the mm -hmm. idea that those little things that we can do with our kids can, I love that she says it, it can coat your soul and they can recall yeah. those memories and then it fortifies them in moments of stress later. You know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. that was so powerful to me hearing her talk through that, you know? Yeah, man. I mean, just to hear that, um, it was very um, affirming for me as well with my children and the routines that we have. Um, and yeah, that um, just filling up their cup of uh, confidence and um, through times where you're not going to be there. And when they go through those challenges, like you said, to, and you know, the part where she talked about disconnecting from that transgenerational trauma was key to me because in a lot of things we do, 
we try to dis make that disconnect, but we reinforce it. And we're saying like, like, you know, I was good in football. You're going to be better. Or, you know, I was a B student, but if I had a, uh, I was an E student and if I had applied myself, I would have been an A student. So you're going to get straight A's. And it's just yeah. like this, this we're downloading our issues onto them. But when they face things, they don't have our perspective. They have their perspective. And, and, and I think that is just phenomenal to give that to them, their own perspective. I couldn't agree more. And I think, I think for a lot of our listeners, um, I think it was very affirming because just, just, excuse me, just through the like flow of life, you get into routines, you know, with your kids and Friday night pizza night or whatever. I mean, for us, Friday night pizza night, because it's easy and we don't have to get up the next morning. Let's just, let's chill. But you know (laughs) what I mean? mean, That's what, it's not birthed out of the intentionality of, Let's make memories that coach their soul. But it, it isn't, you know what I mean? But it is affirming. Yeah. Look at your yeah. life and, and what you guys have as a family and say, oh, mm-hmm. like there's a lot of really great mental health things happening as a result of the things that we're already doing. You know, it's like celebrating mm-hmm. those small victories. It's like, all right, cool. Rituals, routines. I can do that. You know, so I thought it was really yeah. encouraging. Yeah. I thought it was really, really powerful. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. I think, you know, when we listen to all of the stories, all of the parents, all of the fathers, all of the people who came on Dad to the Bone this season, you know, the interesting part, I think, about all of their stories was that they're all still learning and they're all still, you know, recognizing that this journey is is a, a lifelong journey, you know. Um, we always ask the question uh, at the end of the episode, uh, like, you know, knowing what you know now, what would you tell an earlier version of yourself? And it's always interesting to, like, see that people genuinely, like, think about that. And, you know, it's funny because if I could see them, you know, they could be just speaking to the audience in general and they could be just saying, like, some sages BS, like, hey, I wish I had known to read to my kids, but they... It's really interesting to see them all introspectively talk to themselves and talk to their earlier versions of themselves. And that that for me was very it was very interesting. It was like a little subtle note because like we would ask that question every episode. And, you know, you'd think they would say just some generic stuff. But every time it was like we intentionally give them that question. We intentionally give them that question like a week or two in advance of being a guest, because that's that's the goal. We want them to really think through and think, okay, if you could tell yourself an earlier version of yourself, what would you say? You know, and yeah, they, they do, yeah. they always, they always bring the heat when they answer it. And I love that. Cause Erica, Dr. Erica Bachnett, the thing that just kind of like struck me about her response, it was so real was when she talked about, you know, women feeling like they have to be the end all, like, you know, the husband can't do it. He can't nurture, he can't, you know, uh, feed the baby. It has to be me. And the truth is, you know, you can let go and he can do it. He can figure it out. Just like you figured out, like you didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, yeah, and building that, that partner. So right, I mean, I that was that was very. I think it's very true. A lot of times we just assume that the buck stops with us, but the truth is, our partner. You know, just like our kids, like we just we gotta let them figure it out and not just say, "Give me that." <laughs> you know. Um, so um, yeah, I mean that that's one of my big takeaways from this season is just. Learning to learn, man. Loving to learn and to like, God, we just got to own not being perfect and being vulnerable in it. And, you know, uh, learning to trust ourselves to be vulnerable and say, like, look, I'm, a, you know, Steve, when Steve talked, he talked a lot about him being vulnerable because he had the most obvious case of it dealing with um, his son 
who um, was going through a transformation and, you know, and went from being his daughter to his son and not knowing how to deal with that. And that was obvious, but we all have that same type of trajectory. It's just not as blatantly obvious. So, and we just got to be honest about it. Yeah. Yeah. One of my biggest takeaways from this season, honestly, is just, I loved seeing all the different guests who are, you know, even from like Leo, who he wasn't even a dad yet. He was expecting Leo. the baby wasn't even there yet to, you know, Trevor, who's got the two kids. Out. Is the baby here at this point? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think my, okay. my, Facebook right, would be, my Facebook feed would be bombarded if it were, okay. Um, okay. you know what I mean? I, guys like that to, to, um, you know, mean Gene Ruffin, Sharon, you know, as an educator, and we had uh, Josh Spire, who I said his last name wrong the whole time, who's got a bunch of kids serving other people. And then we had, you know, guys like Eric Cito or Calvin Mann, who had like older kids. And it was cool to hear their perspective. And then the younger kids, and the not even the, and to hear just a common thread for everybody that, yo, we're all in this together. We're all trying to figure it out. We're all doing the best we can. We all mess up keep moving forward, you know, keep at it, keep on keeping on. And I thought that was really, really encouraging. I'm excited for season six, man. I really am. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. See, so season four, we were going through COVID season five, we were wrapping up COVID season six. Uh, you know, we'll be going into the fall. So, um, you know, it's like a wild card. These last few seasons have been on wild cards. I mean, you know, we'll yeah. see how season six shapes out, but I mean, this show has grown. It's, it's so funny. COVID has, has challenged us all to change in so many ways. We went from doing this in person to doing it uh, online. And we were straight up just podcasting and now we're like video casting primarily. And so, I mean, it's, it's shifted a lot. Yeah. I'm excited to see how it grows. Uh, me too. So, um, well, I guess maybe is this the time where we start to do the weird stuff and we start to yeah, tell man. people? Yeah, hit them with the socials, man. Let them know where to find us, where to connect. Do you have any ideas or uh, potential guests or anything for season six as we prepare over the uh, several weeks of putting together a package and putting together a plan? We'd love to hear from you. Um, you can watch any of our previous episodes on youtube.com slash dad, the number two, the bone podcast. It's dad, the number two, the bone podcast. Same thing. On our Instagram, it's Dad mm-hmm. the Number Two The Bone Podcast. You can hit us, get in our DMs. Let us know, uh, you know, you have any ideas, any thoughts. Whoa, 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 whoa! They can direct messages, buddy. Chill yeah, out. Yeah, no, no, I, did, I didn't say slide <laughs> into the DMs. I said get at us. Um, yeah, we're on Instagram at Dad the Number Two The Bone Podcast, or you know, for the Boomers, we're on Facebook too, man. We're all over Facebook, uh, yes. but it's Dad to the Bone Podcast, not the Number Two. Facebook's not hit with number two, right? Dad to the bone podcast, or you can hit us on TikTok. We're we're ticking and talking. We're gonna have to be active this summer on TikTok. We're ticking talking. <laughs> yes, you you know which platform Sam is on the most, not TikTok. <laughs> no, I'm hanging out with the boomers on Facebook. <laughs> yes, yes. But you can find us on TikTok, Dad the number two the bone podcast. But hook up with us, man. Um, let us know. Let us know. Give us some feedback on some episodes. Let us know if you want to see anything different or anything new in season six. We'd love to hear from you. You know, one thing I think they would like to see uh, for season six is a different backdrop because I just noticed that <laughs> entire like <every> season. <laughs> yeah, every episode, but we'll, 
the Erica Bogdick one, I was sitting in the corner of my bedroom, but I'm like straight yeah. up in my dining room. Hence why my wife was like crawling by right there earlier. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, that was great. The main drag of the house. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and um the funny part was I had that one episode where I'd had the green, the the green screen. And I want I think the guest thought that might have I don't know if he thought it was my house or not, but I felt like <laughs> it was like Hey, somebody's balling on this show. It was all yeah, green. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, yeah, man. well, until next time, guys. Uh, until, please until find next us. time. Find us, connect with us. Find us on IG. Find us on TikTok. Find us on Facebook. Um, on find TikTok Sam and I on email um, at Quinn at GreatStartWayne.org or Sam at GreatStartWayne.org. You want to be a guest, we would love to have you on the podcast. If you have uh, fatherhood things, promotional things around fatherhood you'd like to give us for free and we can talk about them, we'd love to have you. <laughs> but until then, um, just be kind. Our sponsor that's not a sponsor, Table Topics. Get yes. some. Ta oh, Table Topics are awesome. If you have a hard time, just so I'm finding that more and more people are becoming more introverted. Um, Sam's trying to get us some sponsorships right now, but you by Topo Chico, powered by Topo Chico, powered by, not sponsored by, no, uh, but powered by, powered by. And, um, but if, um, yeah, table topics are great if you have a hard time connecting and finding things to talk about. Um, they're great because they're random, and that's why we do them just to kind of model what it looks like. Because if you ask questions, the answers don't matter, it's more about just connecting with people. So, exactly. yes, if I could be great in any subject, I could have picked like dancing. It's not, it's not about being accurate, it's about just having a conversation and finding a way to connect. So, connect Love with it. your fathers, connect with each other. And until next time, you got anything else, Sam? Just flashing signs like a, like a disco ball, strobe lights. All right, guys. Deuces. Later. <laughs>